Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, March the 19th, 2023. It is currently 5.47 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, I had only been a Christian maybe, it's probably even less than a year. I think it was probably less than a year, maybe around a year. Maybe it was about a year. I'd only been a Christian about a year. I would have to write down the dates. If I took the dates, I probably could get it exact. So I don't want to misrepresent this because it's a very, very important story and it's critical to everything we're going to be talking about. But I think I'd been saved about one year. I was in high school. Many of you know this story. I was paged overhead. I was sitting in the cafeteria, paged overhead. You need to come to the, you know, said my name. You need to come to the principal's office immediately. And it said my name and my brother's name. Called both of us to the principal's office. Now we're walking down the hall and I'm looking at him. What did you do? I don't know. What did you do? I didn't do anything. Did you do anything? Because if you're being called to the principal's office, we know something bad is going on. So we're, me and my brother are walking down the hall, basically, you know, blaming each other. It's got to be your fault. And it's got to be your fault. And we get called into the principal's office. And as soon as we walk into the principal's office, we know that we're, we're not in trouble, but something bad has happened. And we're basically told you need to get to the hospital as soon as possible. You need to get to the hospital as soon as possible. My pastor at the time, because I'd, I was saved, he used to come up to the uh, to the school during the lunch hour and have lunch with us, right? So he put me in a car, drove me to Hendricks Hosp- Hendrick Hospital, Abilene, Texas. It was Hendricks Hospital lo- located on the north side of Abilene. Now there's a Hendricks South, not far from my house, but Hendrick Hospital on the north side. We go, I think we went to the second floor, may have been the third floor, come off the elevator. I'll never forget. You took a right. You took a right. You went around this little corner. It's kind of like a waiting area. As soon as I come around the corner, there's some people sitting there. Next thing you know, I'm being brought into a hospital room to see my mother. And there's my mother. And basically one side of her body is basically already gone. And I mean, for all practical purposes, she's dead. They just can't declare her dead until after they run so many brain scans to be able to officially legally declare her to be dead. But for all practical purposes, she's gone. Here I am a teenager. Here I am, uh, you know, trying to comprehend what's going on. And I'm basically looking at it, realizing my mom, you know, for all practical purposes, dead. Now, at that very moment, I may not have realized how real it was. Later on, I, I, I can look back and go, well, she was basically gone right then. But there was at least some hope. There was a, maybe maybe they were offering hope where there really wasn't hope. You know, yeah, I can look back. But at the in that moment, there was at least this feeling there is hope. There is hope. There is hope. At least, right? Like maybe. But I mean, looking back, she was gone. But at least I thought there was hope. And many of you know what I did. I leave the hospital and I go directly to the sanctuary of First Baptist Church, Tuscola, Texas, where I spend 24 hours crying out to God, praying. I don't eat. I don't sleep. Pray, 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 pray. 
heal her, at least make her conscious again so that I can talk to her. Because as many of you know, I was not living with my family at that time because of all the problems in my family. I was not living with them. I was living with a different family because of all the problems, all the difficulties. We won't go into all the horrible, horrible stories, but I was praying to just at least make her wake up so that I can at least say, hey, I love you. We we can be some kind of reconciliation. Lord, please give me that. Let me talk to my mother one. That's all I wanted. Let me talk to her one more time. Like there, there was a part of it was like, Lord, completely heal her. Then it was like, no, just, just make her a little bit better. Then it was like, just wake her up so that I can talk to her one last time. Then she can go. I mean, I prayed for healing. I prayed for just minor improvement. I prayed for just wake her up so that I can talk to her one more time. Then you can take her. I prayed for everything and everything in between all of that. I begged, I plead, I cried, I yelled, I screamed. I spent a lot of that time just alone in that building, yelling and screaming and talking and 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 begging and begging and pleading and begging and pleading and begging and begging and begging and begging and begging and begging and begging. And my mother did not get better, not even slightly. She never woke up or regained consciousness so that I could talk to her. She was gone by Monday morning, dead. Been a Christian just maybe over a year. And here's like this real like, okay, now I need you, Lord. Now I truly need you. And I plead, I pleaded, and I begged, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and she did not get better. So there I am as a teenager, broken relationship with my mother, never reconciliation, never, never nothing. And God, God didn't intervene in any way, shape or form. She died. Next thing you know, I'm standing at her graveside, Buffalo Gap Cemetery, the end of the story. Now it was the end of the story as far as this, she was dead. But it wasn't the end of the story as far as my relationship it was with the subject of prayer. My relationship with prayer from that point forward was never, ever the same. We can jump forward in time. My father's diagnosed with cancer. I pray he dies. I can I can jump to other periods of time where I pray that nothing happened. I, I I prayed for my seizure disorder. No, it, it didn't. It did not fix it. it did not fix it. No, no, I still have a seizure disorder. I, I can pray for countless other situations. A woman I worked with who died. She died. Oh, another woman I worked with. Oh, she died. My relationship with prayer was never, ever the same again. It just what I'm just being, look, I'm being painfully honest with you. Before that, before my mother died, I can remember reading E.M. Bound's uh, work, complete works on, on prayer before my mother died about waking up at four in the morning, three in the morning, praying, praying for hours and, and all this stuff about prayer and like, if you go back and find some of my old notebooks that I was writing, I was writing, you know, sermons on prayer, books on prayer, 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 all these things I said about prayer. You can go back and probably find things in, in journals and notebooks that I was writing at that time. They're probably, I still have many of those notebooks and journals uh, in the garage somewhere, in boxes somewhere. Guess what? The, what? Many of the things I said at that point in time 
became radically different than what I would say after my mother died. Because I there, I mean, I didn't even, I just needed God just to let me have one more conversation with her. That's all. No, could not even give me that. Other classmates who were involved in traffic accident died. I, I can go on and on and on and on. So many things I prayed for, it did not happen. So many times I prayed that God would help me stop sinning, stop sinning. Just, just give, just help me stop. And I continue to sin. So many different situations, so many different situations. Praying, 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 praying. Now, some of my views of prayer at the time were convoluted and and confused. I do agree and understand that. I was reading every book I could on prayer. I did have certain ideas and aspects and concepts of it that I will readily admit were not either spiritually mature or not even maybe emotionally mature, but at the same time, they were not even theologically really in many cases correct. I think I had some, a lot of right ideas, but I had a lot of wrong ideas. And I just watched the church over and over. Pray for this, pray for this, pray for this, pray for this. Put this person on your prayer list. Pray for this, pray for this, pray for this. And so many times I'd be like, well, no, 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 no. Now I could I could write down some things and go, oh well, this finally worked out, and say, so, oh, see, that's an answer for prayer. But I, I, I my 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 view on prayer started dramatic. It had a profound look. You can, you can call me unspiritual. You can condemn me to the 18th level of hell. Feel free to feel free to. I mean, you know, there's there's plenty of reasons to condemn me. So feel free to condemn me. I'm just being painfully honest with you that my relationship with prayer was never the same again. It was just never, ever the same again. Now, there were there were periods of time after that where I would kind of go back into this kind of a, oh, yeah, 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 prayer, prayer. But, but slowly but surely, me and prayer started growing further and further and further and further apart. Where now I see prayer as I know of the concept, I'm aware of the concept, but I can't say we're necessarily good pals, okay? I can't necessarily say we're good friends. You may not like that, but I'm just being honest with you. And and, and the reason I'm being honest with you this Sunday, late Sunday afternoon, early Sunday evening, depending on where you live, whatever time you're maybe listening to me live this evening, or if you listen to me later, I, the reason I'm even discussing it, because if you've listened to my podcast, go go look at all the thousands of episodes that we've done. You don't find a lot about prayer. You don't. You don't. You, you don't see me emphasize it a lot. And I, and I, I am very aware of that. And, and you could say, well, that explains this, that could explain... You can, you can make all the claims you want about me and my relationship with prayer. I just know that a lot of people who talk a big game about prayer, they're definitely no better than I am. Okay. So, but, 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 but that, that's going to lead to the discussion that we're about to have. Here's what happened. I had just finished a live broadcast on John. Well, really on, on the seven signs in the gospel of John. I was going to say John chapter eight, but it really was about the seven signs in the gospel of John and the seven I am statements about the gospel of John. So I finished that and I was like, well, what do I want to do next? What do I want to do next this Sunday evening? What do I want to do next? And I was just kind of having a little discussion with myself. And then I looked down and realized I had a notification 
on the YouVersion Bible app. So I, I reached down on, I grabbed my, my iPad. I opened it up. I'm, I'm, I'm acting this out like you can see me. Okay. But I opened it up. All right. And I noticed, okay, I have a notification that I have not done morning and evening because that's one of the reading plans I have is the morning and evening reading plan, which is the devotional from Charles Spurgeon. Very famous devotional by Charles Spurgeon. It's called Morning and Evening. I have the physical book somewhere. Sometimes I remember the physical book. Sometimes I don't, but I have it right here on my on my on the YouVersion Bible app, and I'll get a notification. And I try to read it every day. Sometimes I forget. Now, sometimes Charles Spurgeon's devotional drives me absolutely crazy because I'm like, what in the world is he doing with this verse? What is he doing with this verse? However, there's usually something he says in his devotional that at least give me some spiritual thought, at least me thinking in that direction. But I have a kind of a love-hate with it, right? I know it's like, ooh, Morning and Evening by Charles Spurgeon, the greatest devotional ever written in the history of the church. And I kind of like, mm, not if you really care about what scripture means, okay? It's same way with My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Ooh, you've got to have that devotion. Like, there's always these devotionals that kind of rise to this, like, ooh, it's the greatest. And so many of them, I'm like, I, I, like what are you guys even talking about? But the bottom line is, I looked down and saw, oh, okay. And so the way it works, it's kind of odd the way the devotional works. It, it, it says devotional, but it doesn't take you to the devotional first. It takes you to the scriptures first. So, and if you know how Charles Housen Spurgeon morning and evening is broken down, you can probably tell there's a morning scripture, right? And it's usually just one verse. And usually he, in some t- cases, he just takes a word or a phrase from it. And then he writes his devotional. So you have the morning verse and then you have the evening, right? So I looked down and I noticed that the first verse, obviously for the morning devotional, was Colossians 4.2. Now I know it was Sunday afternoon, but I knew I had missed the morning devotional. So I grabbed the Bible that was sitting next to me and I opened it up and I read Colossians 4.2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer. And as soon as I saw it, you know what my I'm, I'm gonna be honest, okay? Don't, don't, don't get shocked. You know what my first thought was? Well, let's just move on to another verse. Let's just move on to something else. Because it tells me to continue in prayer. And I know that prayer and I, we have this agreement, right? Hey, I understand it's a biblical concept. I know it's there, but we have this understanding, right? I know I'm supposed to pray. I will pray sometime, probably in the most generic, vague way possible, because I know if I put too much emphasis into it, I know what the end result's going to be. It's not going to work. It's not going to do whatever I think it should do. It's going to end. It's not. And so I have kind of sometimes, look, I'm just going to be honest, a negative, I get a negative vibe or a negative feeling towards the concept. So I'm like, okay, Colossians 4, 2. I'm like, okay, well, what? I wonder what Spurgeon had to say about Colossians 4, 2. So I hit start reading. And then here is what it says, morning, day two. And the reason it says day two is because uh, I, I, I decided to start using this app for this particular devotional. Just, I don't even know why. I think I was looking at other apps for morning and evening, and I didn't like the way they work. They put ads and all kinds of stuff. And you have to pay money. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to skip that. So I started on this one. All right, so here we go. More morning, day two, continue in prayer. And this is how it reads. It is interesting to remark how large a portion of sacred writ 
is occupied with the subject of prayer, either in furnishing examples, enforcing precepts, or pronouncing promises. We scarcely open the Bible before we read, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. And just as we are about to close the volume, the amen uh, of an earnest supplication meets our ears. Instances are plentiful. Here we find a wrestling Jacob, there a Daniel who prayed three times a day, and a David who with all his heart called upon his God. On the mountain, we see Elias in the dungeon. uh, uh, On the mountain, we see Elias in the dungeon, Paul and Silas. We have multitudes of commands and myriads of promises. What does this teach us but the sacred importance and necessity of prayer? I'm going to read that again. What does this teach us? The sacred importance and necessity of prayer. The sacred importance and necessity of prayer. So I just started sitting here and I started thinking and thinking and thinking. And and these are just some of the questions that came to my mind. I wonder how necessary is prayer? I I wonder. Like how important, how necessary is prayer? Like really, really. Now I know I'm looking at it from a very pragmatic approach. I'm, I'm, I'm just... Just, just dealing with this and look, I'm just being real, just being transcendent. I know, I can, I know I'm not supposed to talk this way, but that's okay. That's okay. There's got to be Christian podcasts that can be blunt and honest and raw, right? There's got to be, right? So I started just thinking, sitting here thinking, all right, if you take a Christian, take two Christians, two Christians, both hold to the exact same theology. So they hold to the same theology. Let's say they have the same basic study habits, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, love the scriptures, but one prays all the time, prays all the time, and the other one never prays. Looking at it from the most practical perspective, what would be the consequences the negative consequences for the one who doesn't pray and what would be the positive consequences for the one? Because if we say it's necessary, right? If we say this is important, if we say this is necessary, prayer is necessary. I learned this very early on in my Christian life. If you bought any book on how to grow as a Christian, five steps to spiritual growth, prayer, 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 prayer is is always one of them. If you're going to discipleship, you need to pray. You need to pray. Here are the parts of prayer. Here's the time of prayer. Here's the place of prayer. Here's the position of prayer. I could preach those sermons literally with my, without any preparation. I could probably preach them in my sleep because I've heard them so many times. Here, here, if you're going to grow spiritually, pray. If you're going to overcome sin, pray. If you're going to be a good this, pray. If you're going to be a good this, pray. If you're going to do this, pray. If you want to love God more, pray. If you want to understand the Bible, pray, pray. I mean, it, it was like prayer is the answer to everything. If you pray, boom, 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 boom. It's almost like a, it's a magical formula. If you pray, dun, 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 you have spiritual power. If you pray, dun, 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 you'll stop sinning. If you pray, dun, 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 you'll have understanding. 
understanding. If you pray, dun, 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 your sermons will go better. If you pray, dun, 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 your family will work better. If you pray, dun, 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 I mean, like, it's just prayer is like the answer to everything. But if we were to really do some kind of an actual test, here's someone who doesn't pray, here's someone who does, what would be the benefits of the one pray over the one who doesn't? What would be the negative what would be the negative thing for the one who doesn't versus the one who does pray? What would be the positive, what would be the negative? What would be the positive of praying? What would be the negative of not praying? What so we could state it this way. What are the benefits of prayer? What are the benefits of prayer? What are the benefits of prayer? Now, I'm going to set aside Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and I just decided to Google that very phrase. What are the benefits of prayer? It did not take me long. I immediately found articles. In fact, all kinds of articles. Here's one from 2021. Five life-changing benefits of prayer, five life-changing benefits of prayer. In other words, if you pray, here are the five life-changing benefits that are going to happen to you. Number one, first, prayer brings you closer to God. So this claims that if one if one prays and one doesn't, the one who prays will be closer to God than the one who doesn't. That, that this, this is making an argument that this is something tangible. This is something that can be tested. This is something that can be quantified. That, hey, that person prays, they're closer to God than the one who doesn't. Now, my argument is, well, is, does prayer bring me closer to God? Or does living and breathing and drinking and eating and feeding and meditating on his word, which brings me closer to God? Now, what they quote here is 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which says, pray continually. Now, they, uh, they don't really tell me what, how that scripture supposedly tells me it draws me closer to God. It says, when we pray, it deepens our relationship with God. It brings us closer to him he, uh, because he created us and we need to be connected with him. In other words, you're not connected with him unless you're praying. But wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm connected because I'm in, I'm in Christ Jesus, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit is in me. I am, I am his. So does prayer draw me closer? Now, in theory, you could say it does. But if you were, to, if you were hard pressed, right? Find me the scripture that says prayer makes me closer to God. Versus reading, be, for, versus just being saved and indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Versus me reading and studying the Bible. Look what, what, like what, what, what would you use to prove that point? The second one they give us is it enables us to set our mind on things above. Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things which are above, not on things which are on the earth. The Greek word used for set in this verse means to seek after or to be intent on, to set your mind on things above, to seek after that, what God desires and to look at life from God's perspective. Now, they're saying the way you do this is prayer. Do you set your mind on things above by prayer? Or do you set your mind on things above by reading and studying and meditating on the word of God, which gives us those things which are above? So are, are, so are we claiming 
that if one doesn't pray, they won't be close. The person who prays will be closer to God than the one who isn't. And the one who prays will set their mind on things above more than the one who doesn't. I, I don't, is, is that, is that an accurate representation? Number three, prayer turns you from a worrier to a warrior. Prayer turns you from a worrier into a warrior. Now, instead of someone who worries, you turn into a warrior, someone who's ready to fight. And they quote Philippians 4, 6, uh, Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Now, I think that, that clearly that's, a, that's telling us to uh, not be anxious, but to, to focus on prayer. But I don't know if this, if, if I pray, I'm going to go from a worrier to a warrior because I, I, you could argue that sometimes, I mean, just because someone is praying all the time, is that, does that mean that they're not worrying? That just means they may take their worry to God in prayer, which is a good thing, but it doesn't mean by the fact that someone is not praying does it does not mean that they're worrying, Right? Like you could have someone like, I don't, I don't pray, but I don't worry about it because I just believe God is sovereign and whatever happens is according to God's will. That doesn't mean they're worrying. So I don't know if you, if just, just because someone is praying, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not worrying. I think that's a false equivalence. Just because someone doesn't pray doesn't mean they're worrying all the time. And just because someone prays doesn't mean they're not worrying all the time. I think some people pray because they're worrying all the time. All right. Uh, okay. Now, okay. Good. Now, well, someone just quoted James five sixteen that the uh, uh, the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplisheth much. Now, now, what does that accomplish? That, that, this is that, that's a good that's a good question we, we could ask ourselves. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't even know what I would do with James five sixteen. I'm a very aware of it, but true. All right, so this gives us the, the supposed benefits from prayer so far is it brings us closer to God. It enables to set my mind on things above. It turns me from a worrier into a warrior. Next, it inspires hope. It inspires hope. And they quote um, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly up uh, up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be tired. They will walk and not be weary. I don't know how that necessarily says prayer gives me hope. Sometimes people pray because they have no hope. But if you pray, do you get hope? I, I, I don't know. Next, it says prayer makes us healthier. This is why the Lord, uh, this is what the Lord, the God of your fathers, David says, I have heard your prayers and seen your tears. I will heal you. Second Kings 20 verse five, prayer makes the body, the whole body healthier. Now, according to this, a study found praying improves neurological and cardiovascular health. Now, I don't know. I don't know where exactly if that, if there's any tangible proof of that. I've heard that it can do certain things, but I, I, I don't know if it helps my neurological health. I really don't know. I, I really don't know. And I don't know about my cardiovascular. I, I don't know. But this is what they're claiming. There's what they're claiming. Next, they say prayer recharges your spiritual ba uh, battery. 
prayer recharges your spiritual battery. And they quote Revelation 22, 1. And he showed me a river of water of life, bright as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and the Lamb. I I don't know how that supposedly proves that prayer recharges my spiritual battery, but supposedly prayer recharges my spiritual battery. Now, those are all... Those are just the first article I found, that five supposed benefits that come from it. Now, let me just go back. Let me just go back. If I just go back, here are 10 meaningful benefits of prayer. These are 10 meaningful benefits of prayer. Prayer helps you develop a relationship with God. Again, does prayer help me develop a relationship with God? Number two, prayer helps you gain an understanding of God's loving nature. Uh, is prayer going to help me understand God's loving nature or would scripture that reveals God's loving nature to me be there? Prayer provides answers. Now it says, uh, if you pray and listen to God, you're going to get a better understanding of your purpose in life. Now this is once again, having the concept that God is talking to you in prayer, which I, I completely reject. God is not talking to you in prayer. You're talking to God in prayer. He talks to us through his word. So I would already reject that benefit. Number four, prayer helps you find direction in your life. I don't know how prayer is going to help me find direction in life. Scripture would help me find direction in life. Prayer gives you strength to avoid temptation. Here we go. So if you, so if, so now you're back to this concept. If one prays and one doesn't pray, the one who prays avoids temptation or or gives strength to avoid temptation more than the one who doesn't. So that would seem to indicate that the people who pray would sin less than the people who don't pray. I don't think there's any proof of that in any way, shape, or form. I've met people who pray all the time because they're sinning all the time and they're struggling with sin. And I don't see that their prayer magically makes it go away. Next, prayer aligns your will with God's will. I, I... I don't know how that supposedly works. Prayer and regular fasting can help you help you accept God's will. Prayer can work miracles. Prayer invites the Holy Spirit into your life. Isn't the Holy Spirit supposedly already into your life? And prayer helps you become more like Jesus. So if you pray, you become more like Jesus versus those who don't pray. I, again, I don't know where you come up with these. All right, um, let's go to another one. There's just articles all over the internet on this. All right. Um, prayer changes our focus. I, I got no problem. I, now, now there I can accept that a little bit more. I can accept that one a little bit more, right? Because if I'm praying, I am focusing, but I, I think scripture can do just the same, right? If I'm studying God's word, my focus is on God, right? If I'm reading, if I'm memorizing, if I'm meditating. So I, I, I you know, I, I don't know about that one. Okay, but all right. Number two, prayer brings us closer to God. Everyone Everyone seems to say the same thing. They quote James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But can I draw near to God by reading and studying his word? The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Psalm 145, 18. Now that's a good passage. That may be a good passage. That may be, but that wouldn't be me drawing closer to God. That would be God drawing closer to me, but okay, all right. Now, prayer ushers us into God's presence. I have no idea what that even supposed to mean. They quote Matthew 27, 51, which has no, doesn't make any sense. The curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And then Hebrews 4, 6, I guess they, this one, I guess why they're quoting it. Now, Hebrews 4, 6 would make sense. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace 
for help in their time of need. And they're saying that we approach the throne of grace through prayer. But, all right, so, but am I approaching the throne of grace to be in God's presence or there to find help in time of need? I, I, I don't know. Next, prayer is, uh, is a way to help others. Okay, uh, now James 5.16, the one someone listening quoted, pray for one another that you may be healed. Okay, so you could argue that a benefit of prayer is to help others, right? You, you could be. Now, just remember, though, there's no guarantee your prayer is going to help anyone because my prayer did not help my mom. My prayer did not help my dad. My prayer did not help me help the two women I worked with who both died of cancer. In fact, I don't think my prayer has ever helped anyone who's had cancer. Just so that you know that, that we, we have to take that into consideration. Uh, prayer helps calm us. Okay. Uh, next, prayer brings about change. And then the list goes on. So that, that just, just the point is, I want you to see, there's articles all over the internet about prayer will do this, prayer will do this, prayer will do this, prayer will do this. I do understand the effectual prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. I just don't know exactly how that plays, uh, plays itself out. I, I'm not in any way denying James 5.16. If we go to, uh, I'm going to go to James 5.16. Uh, verse 13, is there, uh, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing Psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your sins one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's there's a lot here. I I, I, I do believe it's here, but I, I don't know how it works itself out in any meaningful, tangible way. I, I just, I'm just, just going to be honest with you. I don't. So I would never discourage anyone from praying. I would never do that. Pray, 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 pray. If you, if you, if that is a, a something that you're strong at and good at, do so. You can make up for those of us who stink at it because I stink at it. Again, my relationship with prayer was totally forever altered within a year of my salvation. I begged and I pleaded and my mom died. I begged and pleaded for many things. Didn't happen. I begged and pleaded, pleaded with God for some kind of fix my relationship with my dad. No, no, it didn't matter because within nine months, nine to 10 months of my mom's death, he was getting remarried. And then, then that all went horribly wrong. I, I'm just, I know, I know, I have, I, I'm just telling you, I have a very negative relationship with it. Now, if we go back to what Charles Haddon Spurgeon had to say, Charles Haddon Spurgeon had this to say, back to the devotional. I'm going to read everything he has to say here. It is interesting to remark how large a portion of sacred writ is occupied with the subject of prayer, either in furnishing examples enforcing precepts, or pronouncing promises. 
We scarcely open the Bible before we read, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. And just as we're about to close the volume, the amen of an earnest supplication meets our ear. Instead, instances are plentiful. Here we find a wrestling Jacob. There a Daniel who prayed three times a day and a David who with all his heart called upon his God. On the mountain, we see Elias and the dungeon, Paul and Silas. We have multitudes of commands and myriads of promises. What does this teach us but the sacred importance and necessity of prayer? We may be certain that whatever God has made prominent in his word, he intended to be uh, basically present in our lives. If he has said much about prayer, it's because he knows we have much need of it. So deep are our necessities that until we are in heaven, we must not cease to pray. Dost thou want nothing? Then I fear thou dost not, thou dost not know thy poverty. Well, I do like that, that the reason that we should pray is because we are aware of how poor and, pov- and how our, pov- our spiritual poverty. I, I, I can see that. Has thou no mercy to ask of God? Then may the Lord, Lord's mercy show thee thy misery. A prayerless soul, now now, see, now here we go. Once again, we're going to turn it into a legalistic thing. A prayerless soul is a Christless soul. So, hey, if you don't pray, you're not saved. So how do you know you're saved? It's because you pray. So many issues here. Prayer is the lisping of the believing infant, the shout of the fighting believer, the requiem of the dying saint falling asleep in Jesus. It is the breath of, the watchword, the comfort, the strength, the honor of a Christian. If thou be a child of God, thou will seek thy father's faith, faiths and live in thy father's love. Pray that this year thou mayest be holy, humble, zealous, and patient. Have closer communion with Christ and enter often into the banqueting house of his love. Pray that thou mayest be an example and a blessing unto others and that thou mayest live more to the glory of thy master. The motto for this year must be continue in prayer. Now this, obviously, they took this devotional from the beginning of morning and evening, uh, not uh, not on this particular date. So if you look up morning and evening by Charles Spurgeon, and you look at this date, you're not going to find that devotional. That's probably from like January the 2nd or January the 3rd, um, because the devotional, the reading plan is starting from the beginning. I wish they wouldn't have done that, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, once again, it's this concept that if you don't pray, you're not saved. So then how much do you have to pray in order to prove you're saved? That's just, I'm tired of getting into that never-ending debate within the Christian world, but the Christian world loves to play that game. There's a million, there's a million things that proves you're saved other than what Christ did. Okay, what Christ did doesn't even matter anymore. Okay, but that's, that just frustrates me. I do agree that the more aware I am of my own spiritual need and my own spiritual poverty, in theory, should drive me to prayer. But here is my, here's where another thing I would struggle, right? Um, and, and, come on, and I know we're about to get really real here, but that's okay. I'm about to get really real here because I think it just has to be, we have to just be blunt here, right? We, we, we can't, Sometimes Christians don't want to deal with the uncomfortable facts, but there's some uncomfortable facts about prayer. Obviously, you can pray for a million things and not, and doesn't mean in any way, shape, or form you're going to get the answer you want. I mean, that's just, we all have to deal with that fact. But here's something that's really difficult to wrap your mind around, right? Because we would argue if we ask anything according to God's will, now this is where it gets really complicated and, and makes Christians uncomfortable, but we have to talk about it. 
We say that if we ask anything according to God's will, God will answer it. Okay, well, God, does God want you to be holy? You're going to say yes. Okay, well, then pray to be holy. Now, to be holy would be to be without sin. Pray about specific sins and say, God, I don't ever want to commit them again. Shouldn't that be his will? You're still going to commit them. Now you say, well, then you try to, you'll try to play all kinds of excuses and make all kinds. Well, I mean, I mean, maybe you'll sin less. Okay. Well, that, that's not what you prayed for, right? Doesn't God want you to stop sinning? Well, yes. Well then pray to stop sinning, but you keep sinning. So why do you keep sinning? (laughs) Because, so then you have to argue God wants you to sin. Well, then that leads to all kinds of theological implications. Now, do we understand James 5 as a reference to that period of time where maybe divine healings were going on? Because clearly, you know, I I believe that has obviously stopped. Obviously. What do you think are the... let, let, Let me challenge you to do this. This is what I would challenge you to do. I want you to find scripture... And I know today is kind of turning into a day of giving lots of assignments, but that's okay. At least, I think we looked at two or three, I think we looked at three articles right there on the benefits of prayer. If you notice that the benefits they give and the scripture they offer to support said benefit, many of those scriptures do not in any way, shape, or form say that that's a benefit in those verses. In other words, they're like, the benefit of prayer is this. And then you look at the scripture they offer, and like scripture doesn't even say that. Scripture doesn't say it'll draw you closer to God. Scripture it doesn't even say that. So what what scriptures would you turn to that would seem to indicate a benefit of prayer? Now someone quoted James five sixteen. Seems to say that it avails much, but we don't. It doesn't articulate exactly what that means. Now you could say the availing much would go to the things that are being talked about in James five. 13, 14, 15, 16, right? That basically dealing with someone's sin or someone's sickness, that prayer can avail, avail, avail with much. But then you would have to say, well, the fact that someone wasn't healed is because the people praying aren't righteous enough because if they were righteous enough, then they could, people would be healed. That just creates all kinds of theological implications. So what scriptures could you point to that would not seem to be as controversial or as difficult or, or, or so problematic and say, this shows a benefit from prayer? This shows a benefit of prayer. Now, we do have that, that psalm that seems to indicate God draws near to those who call on his name, all right? Now... Yeah, there's, there's a, I was going to go different directions with that one, but that's okay. I'm taking a drink of water. What would you list for scriptures that seem to indicate this is a benefit of prayer? Now, there's articles, but again, many of these articles don't even attempt to prove their, this is a benefit of prayer, but they don't even offer a scripture that clearly indicate that. In many cases where they offer a scripture, that scripture doesn't even say what they're claiming it says. Now, it talks about approaching the throne of grace, 
for for help in a time of need. Now, do we approach the throne of grace through prayer, or do I approach the throne of grace through Christ? Do I approach the throne of grace because of my salvation, and but do I only do that through prayer? Like, and 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 the help is that a reference to God's grace and mercy to forgive me for when I sin. I mean, like, there's a lot of different ways of looking at some of these, but people immediately just attach prayer to certain kinds. Like, set my uh, uh, by setting my affections on things above. Do I do that in prayer, or do I do that differently? Like, like there's a lot of those scriptures where people are like, that's prayer. I'm like, I don't know if it's prayer. Is that scripture? Is it like, is it reading, meditating, memorizing? I, I don't know. But I want you to think about what would be your list of here are the benefits of prayer according to scripture. Now, there's no doubt. There is no doubt we're told to pray without ceasing. We're told, we're told to continue in prayer. There is no doubt about that. There's no, none, all right? In fact, the, the, the passage for the devotional for Spurgeon was Colossians. Colossians 4.2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer. We're to continue in prayer. There's no question about it. We're to pray without ceasing. I'm not by any means diminishing the fact that we are literally called and commanded to do so. Prayer seems to be something we're called to do. There's no question about it. I'm just being very transparent with my broken relationship with it. I can beg and plead, God, hey, hey, God, God, take care of this. God, Look, look, stop, God, stop this, God, do, and no, 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 no. And we all know that no is an acceptable answer. But if you were to make a list of the benefits of prayer, and you have scripture that would really, that would prove what you think is a benefit of prayer, what would that benefit what would those benefits be and what scriptures would you use? And you got to make sure you're honest with it. I love the James 5:16. I love it. In a sense that it is about prayer, no question. Clearly it seems to indicate some possible benefits of prayer and that it seems to indicate that the 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 prayer of a righteous man will availeth much. I'm just perplexed on exactly how that plays itself out in our day and age. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I know I probably just stumbled into a whole world of controversy, but but there's got to be other people who struggle with some of these. Like, I can't be the only one who think this way. I can't be the only one who struggle with this. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've got to struggle with these concepts as well. At least I think you do. Maybe you don't, but I do. At least I do. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right. I think I'm going to go find some food. I may come back and do something a little later tonight. We've done a little bit of work. John A., we've done a little bit of work on John um, we need to finish Hippolytus on baptism or Hippolytus, the apostolic tradition on the chat, on the sections on baptism. 
The goal was to do that tonight at Victory Baptist Church. That didn't work out, so we may do that Wednesday. So we'll see. There's always other things we need to work on. Like those seven signs in John and the seven I am statements. I, yeah, so we'll see. We'll just see how the week progresses. We we never sometimes know where this podcast is going, but it always seems to lead somewhere interesting. But in the meantime, I'd love to get your thoughts on prayer, your own personal struggles, difficulties, thoughts, scripture, like whatever, news, if at yahoo.com. All right, everyone have a great evening. Thanks for listening. God bless.